Let's get into God's word. Daniel chapter 3. Um, man, this, this, this passage, uh, it's an account, but it's so prophetic. It's a picture of, of things that had happened in the past, and it's a picture of things that are happening and that are going to happen in the future. Um, there's so much application for us. It's, it's another chapter like the other ones we've seen that's telling us to have faith in the Lord, to have, trust in God in captivity, to do things God's way even when we are being threatened, not to bend a knee to man, but instead be on our knees before our God, to be a people not walking in the fear of man, but walking in faith in God and in the fear of God. And uh, it's probably one of my favorite chapters uh, in the scripture. So hopefully I won't botch the Bible study and you go, that's your favorite chapter? That was really bad. So hopefully that won't happen. Uh, Let's start here in verse 1, though. We got 30 verses. I want to try to get through all of them because I think we should look at this all at once. And in the first verse, we'll spend a little time here setting some things up and looking at some things. So notice what it starts here, Daniel 3.1. Nebuchadnezzar, the king, made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits, and it's with six cubits, and he set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Now, this is why it's so important that we study Scripture in context, because if you just came to chapter 3 and you read this, it's a very powerful chapter, and there's a lot to glean from, and, and you would. But knowing what happened in the chapter before says so much about this first verse and all of chapter 3. Because remember what happened in the previous chapter, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, where the Israelites are in captivity because God's correcting them and redirecting them. Remember, he has a dream. It's a prophetic dream from God that just really rattles him. And he's wanting to know the interpretation of this dream. And we won't recap how that all came about. But we know that God gave Daniel uh, the interpretation. And then he shared it with Nebuchadnezzar. And Remember, the, the dream was of this statue made up of different metal pieces and eventually it getting smashed and grounded into powder by a mighty rock. And Daniel shared that dream back to Nebuchadnezzar and then gave him the interpretation of it. And he said the golden head that was at the top of the, the statue, it represented Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonian Empire that was the superpower of the day where the children of Israel were in captivity. And then Daniel showed him that after that, there would be another kingdom, and it was represented by breast and arms of silver. Now, this was a prophetic word in that day that another kingdom was going to come and take over Nebuchadnezzar's Babylon. And indeed, we look back in history, and we see this prophecy fulfilled in the Mede and Persian Empire that would come, which is interesting, Breast and arms of silver representing two, but they would come in collectively and they would overthrow the Babylonian empire. And then from there we saw the dream and the statue had a stomach and thighs of brass. And that would represent the Grecian empire of Alexander Great that would come in and overthrow the Medo-Persian empire. And then after that there were legs of iron that represented the Roman empire that would come next that would rule fiercely. It would be that Roman empire that would crucify our Lord and Savior, but praise God, he rose from the grave, and tonight he's seated at the right hand of the Father. Is that not good news? And then after that, at the bottom of the statue, there were feet and toes mixed of iron and clay. And that iron and clay represents the influence of the Roman Empire that's still in the world today. Again, the legs of iron, and now iron and clay in the feet represents the influence of the Roman Empire that you see all over the world today especially in the Western Hemisphere. And then those ten toes representing the ten nations or ten kingdoms spoken of in the book of Revelation, and we talked about this last week, that will give their power over to the beast for a short season or the Antichrist in the near future. The dream didn't stop there, though. That was the, you know, the statue, and again, We've seen how these things have been fulfilled, even today with the iron and clay, how it looks strong, yet it's so weak. And we talked about that in great detail, our world today that looks so strong, and yet it is so weak, it's hanging by a thread. But after that, in Daniel 2.44, 2, 
it says, and in, in the days of these, excuse me, in the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom. And this is encouragement for us tonight. Which shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall not be left to other people. It shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms and it shall stand forever. And as much as you saw the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, that it broke in pieces the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold. The great God has made known to the king what will come to pass after this. The dream is certain and the interpretation is sure. And we know who the rock is. The rock is the Lord Jesus Christ. Because the Lord is coming back literally at the end of the tribulation that's going to come on this earth in the near future. We're going to come back with the Lord and he's going to grind these kingdoms into powder. Remember we read that the nations of the earth will come there in the valley of Armageddon to fight against God. And the Lord is going to come back and bring great judgment. And then he'll reign for a thousand years here on this earth and there will be a new heaven and a new earth. So that was the dream. This is the interpretation. The Lord says that this dream is certain and the interpretation is sure. And this should be where Nebuchadnezzar falls on his face and recognizes, I am a king of kings, but I'm not the king of kings. I need to worship the king of kings. I need to be thankful for what he's blessed me with. And I need to get right with the king of kings. Instead... And Nebuchadnezzar does give some acknowledgement to the king of kings, to our God. But instead of going all in, what does he do? He comes back in the plain of Dura and he makes a golden image, a giant golden image. Uh, Again, an image that's all gold. So he's saying something here. What he's saying here is he's saying, I'm going to rule and reign forever. There's not going to be a breast and arms of silver. There's not going to be stomach and thighs of, bra- of, of brass. There's not going to be iron legs and toes made of iron and clay. I'm the man. I ain't going anywhere. And this is going to rule forever. He's exalting himself up above the word of God. He's saying, I'm higher than the God that gave me this dream, that gave the word that eventually all this is going to be crushed i'm above it all and this is a very antichrist move by nebuchadnezzar again nebuchadnezzar eventually gets saved but in many ways in the beginning he is a picture of antichrist who again is going to come on the scene in the near, very near, near future we talked a lot about that this summer we'll talk a lot about that lord willing in our future studies in the book of daniel but one thing we do read about that man In 2 Thessalonians 2, 3, it says, Let no one deceive you by any means. That day will not come unless the falling away comes first. And the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. And that day spoken of here is the rapture of the church. But then it says about this man who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worship. So he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself he is God. So the Antichrist is going to exalt himself above God Almighty. He's going to say, I'm God. I'm worthy to be worshipped of God. And that's the exact same thing that Nebuchadnezzar is doing here. He's saying, I ain't no head of gold that's going to get crushed. The whole image is going to be gold. And I am above, again, the word of God. Now, it's interesting. He sets this up in the province of Babylon in the plain of Dura. Well, earlier in history in Babylon on the plain of Shinar, this has already been attempted. Man came together, they spoke one language, and we'll get back to the language and to a universal language of music in a little bit here. And God had said, fill the earth, be fruitful, multiply, go out and subdue it. But man said, we're not going to do that. Led by another type of antichrist, Nimrod. And you don't want to be a Nimrod. Does anyone still use that? Don't be a Nimrod. It's an antichrist. And he led these people and said, we're not going to listen to God. We're not going to go scatter. We're going to come together. We're going to have a one world superpower. And we're going to be greater than God. And they begin to build a tower towards heaven. Symbolizing this earth will never be flooded. And thinking we're going to go right up there. And we're going to defeat God. In fact in in Genesis 11.4 it says. That they said come let us build ourselves a city. And a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves. Lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. We want to make a name for us. 
Nebuchadnezzar wanted to make a name for himself. He didn't want to humble themselves before God Almighty and let God exalt them in due time. Instead, they said, we're going to exalt ourselves. We're going to go above the Lord. And who's the first one that did that in Scripture? Lucifer himself. A mighty angel created by God. That wasn't good enough for him. He couldn't be content in that, though he had all the means in the world to be content. Instead, he said, I'm going to exalt myself above God. It didn't work out good for him. This didn't work out good for them in the plain of Shinar. Listen, even for Nebuchadnezzar, this doesn't work out. Eventually, he, gets, he repents, and it does work out for him. And then the Antichrist is eventually going to come. And listen, it ain't going to work out for him either. And we've got to remember that when we see godless systems and godless politicians and godless movements that at times seem like, you know, it's working out. It ain't going to work out. If Jesus Christ is not your Lord and Savior, it doesn't work out. It just doesn't. You've got to be right with the Lord God Almighty. That is, if you turn about, care about eternity and your eternal soul. Now, one other thing about this statue, and again, we're laying groundwork here. It's interesting. It says it's 60 cubits in its height. A cubit anywhere between a foot and a half and two feet. So this thing is between 90 and, and maybe 120 feet tall. Some say it could have been taller than that. And then it says its width is six cubits. Now listen, in Hebrew, if the width is given and the depth is not given, it means the depth is the same as the width. And so what you got here is a statue that's 60 by 6 by 6. And that's a significant number. Because again, 6 is the number of man. Man created on the sixth day. This is man exalting himself. And of course, again, as we look into the future, we know that the beast or the Antichrist, when he comes, he's going to have a number 666, a mark that people have to take. And I have some notes there. I'm not going to read all the verse to you, but in Revelation 13, it talks about this in great detail. First of all, it says he's going to set up an image. Nebuchadnezzar set up an image. And he's going to make try to force everyone to bow down and worship the image. In fact, in Revelation 13, 15, it says, He was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. And then it talks about how he causes all, small, great, rich, poor, free, slave, to receive a mark on their hand or their forehead. It says that one may buy or sell except who has the mark of the name of the beast and the number of his name. And it says, here's wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it's the number of a man. His number is 666. Now, I don't know who that man is, but no doubt, listen, when this man comes on the scene, uh, there'll be wisdom given to the people of God. And many believe, and, and I, I'm, I, I'm, I lean towards too, and, I, and I'm hoping that the rapture of the church even comes before this man comes into power uh, here on the earth and, and we have a knowledge of who it is even before that happens. But do you see the parallels here? He's going to breathe life into an image uh, or the Lord is going to allow life to come in this image and people are going to have to worship it. People are going to have to take a mark and if they don't, they're going to be killed. Now listen, for you conspiracy theorists here tonight, now don't go too deep down the rabbit hole with this. The Washington Monument in Washington, D.C., which is an obelisk, which is an idolatrous image, and I won't go beyond that. Most of you can figure out what that is, or you can go Google it later on. But listen, it's 55 or 555 feet above ground, and guess how far it is below ground? 111. That's 666 feet. So you can just take that, and that's a little fun tidbit for you tonight. Now listen, don't be fooled. These people that take the mark and they worship the image uh, that seem victorious, it doesn't end well for them at all. In fact, even in the tribulation, it begins to implode on them soon after taking that mark. They take that mark, and, and, and we've talked about this in our study this summer, this mark, it, it looks real clear in Scripture. It happens in the middle of the tribulation. And they take this mark you know, thinking we can buy and we can sell and we can trade and we're going to worship this image. And I, I'm, I'm believing today, and I might be wrong, my opinion, 
it, it, or maybe I should say a thought is that very well this mark could alter DNA and usher in singularity, man and machine merging, and perhaps offer some type of, you know what, again, eternal life, but in fine print it will say this ain't going to actually work out and so forth because the devil is a liar. Because that's what we're moving towards. We're moving a singularity, uh, you know, artificial intelligence and so forth. And it could be very well men saying, I don't want to be made, I don't want to be in the image of God. I want to be in the image of the beast. I'm going to work, take that mark. And wouldn't it make sense, man who when he fell in the garden, why? He wanted to be God. He wanted to worship himself. And it's almost like the whole thing goes full circle. Now that's going to work itself out. Um, it looks to me like though that that very well could be the case. But notice what it says in Revelation 14, 9. And, and, and we're going to hit an important mark here, then go get going in, in, into the rest of the chapter here. It says, The third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and his image and receives the mark on his forehead or on his head, he shall also drink the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. So it looks so promising, doesn't it? I take the mark, all is well. Oh, we're taken care of, you know. Big brother's going to take care of us. He's going to be the biggest brother ever here on earth. We're going to be taken care of. We can buy and we can sell and we can trade. And we're, we're so secure. But we read at one point, we read of these locust-type demon creatures that are loose from the bottomless pit. And if you have that mark, they sting you. And it lasts for five months. And it says men will seek death and will not be able to find it. It will be like a literal walking dead here on earth. And then beyond that, eternally, again, they'll drink of the wrath of God. You know, are you in Christ Jesus tonight? Can you say amen to that? We are not appointed to the wrath of God. Is that not good news? Not because of us, but because of Him, and we've put our faith in Him. It says, He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever, and these shall have no rest day or night, who worship the beast and his image, and whoever receives the mark of his name. Listen, we don't bend knee to these things. We bend knee before God Almighty and only God Almighty. And the enemy will always come along. And he'll always try to pressure you. He'll try to threaten you. He'll try to say, if you do this, I'll reward you. And if you don't do this, I'm going to get you. And there's more and more of these things going on in the world today. And eventually, again, it's going to come to this mark. And it's so important that we are a people that don't bend knee to the enemy. Come what may, we stand for the Lord Jesus Christ. Even if it looks like it might cost us. And listen, if it does cost us something here on earth, the Lord says, if, if you lose your house for his sake, you get a hundred times more in glory. I think that's a pretty good investment, wouldn't you say? Jesus went about that, went into great detail about that. Whatever you lose here, you get more there and so forth. But the enemy lies. And he says, you got to conform. You got to bend knee. If, if you, you know, you want to survive. God, again, multiplies that reward, and God makes a way for his people time and time and time again. It's throughout the scriptures that we see this. In fact, even these that refuse that mark, it says in Revelation 15, 1, and I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels having seven last plagues. In them the wrath of God is complete, and I saw like a sea of glass mingled with fire, and those who had victory over the beast over the image and over his mark and over the name of his name, standing on the sea of glass, having harps of God. And we read of this great worship song that they sung to God Almighty in his presence, in perfect fellowship with God Almighty, the maker of all things and the giver of every good gift. Does that not sound better than drinking of the wrath of God? Now notice verse 2. And Nebuchadnezzar sent word to gather together the satraps, the administrators, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the officials of the providence, all the big shots, to come to the dedication of the image of the the king Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And listen, big shots love stuff like this. Oh, we're going to all go to the big gala and get our picture in 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 the newspaper and stand together and do some selfies and so forth. They love this stuff. They love the acknowledgement for men 
And they love, again, even the, the gathering together in the name of man. So the satraps, the administrators, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the officials of the providence could have just said those guys, but you know what? Lord, Lord wanted to say it twice, and then he says it again later on. They gathered together for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up, and they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Now listen, we'll read it here in a second, but in verse 4 through 6, we read... Then Nebuchadnezzar, at the playing of all this music, wants everyone to bow down and worship this image. And in that, they're saying, you're going to bow down and you're going to worship me because that was an image of Nebuchadnezzar. Again, he was the head of gold, and he says, I'll make a whole statue of gold. And if you don't worship me, again, I'm going to throw you into a fiery furnace, which we'll talk more about here. I'm going to bring my wrath upon you. But what's he do first? What's he do first before he ushers this out to all the people? He has to get all the big shots on board. He needs to get all his government on board. And you look around the world today that's rapidly headed towards a one-world religion, a one-world economy, and a one-world government. And who are the people pushing that? It's all the big shots for the most part. The men are renowned. The women are renowned. The people in the news. It's... Big government. And listen, yeah, you might hold those leftists. Dude, the first guy to talk about the New World Order was George Bush. Go Google that. Go duck, duck, go that. We're going to have a New World Order. And everyone's going to come underneath it. Oh, bones and skull and crossbones, George Bush, senior, talking about that. Big tech pushing this stuff today. I mean, all over the place, pushing, again, this globalist mentality. And I, I don't want to go too deep into it, but we're, we're seeing it unfold right now. You say what we don't like, what, what, if we don't like what you're saying, we're just going to cut you off. Look how who you are. I ain't going to rant on that. Big corporations, all these socialist movements, and listen, it ain't limited to them. It's a whole lot of what we call the church as well. Starting with the guy in the Vatican who is no part of the church. That is a a God-hater there. That leads all these individuals that need to get out of works and come under the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, man. The good news is so much better than a false gospel. But it's not just him. It's many of these even modern compromised so-called evangelicals partnering with this guy. Wanting to butter up to this guy. And I could give you a list of names longer than my notes here tonight. But I'm not going to do that. Because I think, you know what, we got better things to look at. But you see it being pushed. And now maybe you're saying, oh, Steve, that's a conspiracy theory. You know, you, you uh, backwoods country preacher. You know, you don't know anything. Let's all stand on the word of God then. Psalm 2, 1 through 3. Why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth, the kings of the earth, the kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed or against Jesus Christ, not against God in general, but against Jesus Christ. Let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. This isn't so much a right and left thing. Listen, it's moving to a right and left thing becoming a one thing against the only thing, the Lord Jesus Christ and his followers. That's where this is headed. This world is headed to a blend of of socialism and capitalism. That's what it's going to look like China. And listen, they don't treat Christians very kindly in China. In America, pastors willingly take their crosses off the wall. In China, they come in and force it off. Because it's a different Christianity over there than this watered-down, lukewarm nonsense that so permeates the church in the West. But praise God, He loves us. He loves us. His grace is sufficient. And listen, going on with this, it's just not worth it. Jesus said, what's a profit of man if he gains the whole world and loses a soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for a soul? Again, they're going to take that mark, thinking we got it all. Next thing you know, they're stung and they're seeking death for five months and can't find it. Think about that. Think about even during this COVID time, 
you know, in the last several months, there have been far more people who have taken their own life over being killed by that by by the germ or or with it I should say by it it's like very very small it's like you know in the thousands and very small because you know it's part of all the propaganda and whatnot is that worth it is that worth it to celebrate for a year or two however far deep they'll get into that tribulation before locusts from hell come out and start stinging you that don't sound very inviting and then from there Again, because you took that mark, you played, paid allegiance to that beast, eternity, and the wrath of God Almighty. This isn't, uh, you know, it being said as something, we've got to figure out what's being talked about here. What's being talked about is what's being talked about here. Christ went to the cross so we could be saved from hell. And if we want to reject him, then we're going to be subjected to hell. And God shows no partiality in any of that. Now notice verse 4. Then a herald cried, cried aloud, uh, to you it is commanded, so, so, so now again one of the big shots go out, to you it's commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages, that at the time you hear the sound of the, hor- the, the horn, flute, harp, lyre, uh, psaltery, uh, in sympathy with all kinds of music, you shall fall down and worship the gold image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. Now listen, earlier there on the plain of Shinar in Babylon, there in Genesis, they all spoke the, the, the same language. Here under Nebuchadnezzar's reign, he, he's been, and you can read about in the scriptures, taking nation after nation after nation. One of the reasons why he thought he was God. Getting all these victories, yet God had a purpose in allowing him to get those victories. Again, ultimately it was correcting Israel, so... They could get their eyes back on the Lord and Christ could come as prophesied through Israel and the tribe of Judah. But they had one language, but God mixed it up. Here they don't have a unified language, but you know what? They have something more powerful that unifies them. You know what that is? It's music. Listen, music can be so, so good. Worshiping God? Music is a gift from God. Again, Lucifer... Many believe through what's said in Ezekiel and Isaiah about him. Many believe he was the worship leader in heaven. Worship and music is beautiful. When it's expressed to God Almighty, it's one of the gifts God has given to us to worship him. But listen, music can be so evil. It absolutely can. Again, because Lucifer is a fallen angel now. The fallen angel and you better believe it, he's a music man. So we're going to come together, and this is a language everyone can understand, so we're all, you know what, we're, we're all cohesive here, we're all unified, we don't need translators. Again, it was translated to them what to do, but when the music plays, we're all going to fall down, and we're going to worship. And this was probably, again, men in this day, an incredible thing, because I mean, even coming to the plain of Dura and seeing an image like this, if you saw that today, it would blow you away, right? 120 feet tall, six feet by six, you know, six cubits by six cubits, um, in, in all its grandeur and so forth. And then think about in that time as well, they, they didn't have access to music other than if they could play an instrument, which was probably few and far between. They, they could sing but actual music, this was a big deal. And again, this wasn't just a couple folks up here, you know what, trying to make some noise. This is a full full symphony here. A grand, you know, symphony, all this music. It would be something that would be so impressive to man. Now today we're in a place where, listen, we do have one language in this world. You could probably argue that English is the universal language, but listen, we have one language, it's the language of tech. This whole world's unified, there, 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 there is not language barriers anymore. There just isn't. And the technology is getting richer and richer and richer, and they're talking about in the very near future, everyone having access through their phone to speak something into it, and it being perfectly translated out in whatever language that person that you're trying to talk to speaks. So we have a universal language, and you know what else we have today? We have universal music. 
because the music of the enemy of our soul, what he wants to be heard, what he wants to be bought, what he wants to be popular, he just brings it to the forefront. And it's not just, well, in this country, and they got that music over there. It used to kind of be like that. It used to be before radio that even regions would have their own music. And listen, that was a good thing when it wasn't all unified. Because when radio came forth and it all got unified, and by the way, radio was discovered or was invented by Thomas Edison when he was trying to communicate with the dead. He's an occultist. So you're like, dude, you're going full-on conspiracy. No, that's just the truth. Them's just facts right there. And that began to unify to begin to bring everyone together so we can all begin to think alike. God loves biblical and godly diversity. Listen, in heaven, it says every, people are going to worship God from every tribe and tongue. It, it, it's going to be glorious and so forth. But as that came forth now, again, more than ever, yeah, there's different artists and stuff that do their own thing over here, but it's always the same people peddling the same stuff. You look at that top 20, it's the same people. Then they bring someone else in and they kick someone off and then they're around. You know what? I mean, for goodness sakes, Cardi B's interviewing Joe Biden? What the heck? What in the world's going on here? Because it's the power of, of music. And I'll tell you, this B system that, 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 that is coming in and coming upon us, because... Listen, in many ways, we've already talked about it. We're captive, we're, we're, we're captive in Babylon today. Now, listen, I'm free in the Lord Jesus Christ. There, there's a captivity. And you better believe that in many ways, it's been ushered in through, through music. That caters to, to, you know what, man's desire for pleasure. It's very sensual for the most part. I mean, come on, we grew up hearing sex, drugs, and rock and roll, right? I remember when I was a little, little boy, Happy Days would come on. I think it was Thursday night. And it was right before bed, and that song would come on. And we'd dance, me me and my brother being there dancing and so forth. And then one day when I became a grown man and a follower of the Lord, I was thinking about that. And I remember the one line to that song. It feels so right, it can't be wrong. Rocking and rolling all night long. And I thought, oh my goodness, they were brainwashing me. <laughs> if it feels right, if it feels good, it must be all right. And listen, if you don't get what I'm saying here, if you, if you, you, I'm, I'm not preaching legalism here. Listen, you're free to listen to whatever you want to. But use your freedom to glorify God because you're going you're gonna to reap whatever you sow. Whatever you plug into your ears, there will be an effect that comes from it. No doubt about it. And then you look as well, and I, and I want to get going here, but even in the church, listen, there's a lot of good music, but there's a lot, a lot of bad music. Listen, I would, most of you guys know I was a Christian rapper for a lot of years. I saw a lot of kids come to Christ through getting up and some people say it's not even music, and that's okay. If you, I don't care. If you think that, that's fine, man. You, good for you. And I get up here and, 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 and rap over this music and saw kids come to the Lord and so forth. But if I could, 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 not, could, could flip a switch and we go back and there's no Jesus rock, there's no Jesus rap, we're sitting around with a few simple instruments singing hymns, I'd press that sucker as fast as I could get to it. And it's not to say that drums up here and all this is, is bad. It's not. It is what you do with it, right? But that ushered in this entertainment mindset into the church. And then these compromised pastors, a light bulb came on and they said, everyone judges whether something's good or bad by how entertained they are. Let's entertain them. Are you not entertained? You know, neighbors are like, no, I'm not. Shut your mouth. <laughs> will entertain them. And you listen to so much of the Christian music today, and it's oftentimes more about us than him. And you're like, is, it, is dude singing to God or his girlfriend here? And then you look at so much doctrinal error that's in the church today that has come through these movements that put forth, listen, on its, 
on its own, you know, as far, as far as how it sounds and how it's produced, it's better than a lot of the worldly music. But then you start getting into the doctrine and whatnot, and you see how whack it is. Some of these movements that were so far off in a corner, even labeled cults, talked about the New Apostolic Reformation. Assembly of Gods in the 40s, 50s, like, this is a cult. And now it's resurfaced around through Jesus culture and Bethel. And listen, I don't know all those folks' hearts. I'm sure there's many of them that know and love the Lord. But the doctrine is that same doctrine. And now it's everywhere. Everywhere. Same with the hill songs. Word of faith. We put faith in our words. We create our future. That is occultic. And I'm sure many of those people love the Lord. I'm not saying when those songs are sung, they're not all singing out to the enemy. But you get into the doctrine. Talked about the Pope earlier, and I heard it, yeah, yeah. It's the same types of stuff here. And again, look where the church is. I was going to share this later on. But in my opinion, the reason why this election is where it is right now, I'll tell you the reason why it is. And it looks like, come on, man, is going to win. At least I can do an impersonation. Come on, man. <laughs> Listen, the, the, reason, the reason why, I'll tell you the reason why. Compromise evangelical Christians. Period. Period. And listen, I'm, I'm not promoting either of these men's religion, whatever that is. I, I'll pray for both their salvation. I don't know. I don't know. I do know this, though. I know the guy that was in there appointed three judges for the Supreme Court that are pro-life. And I said he got my vote if he appoints the one, and he did. And now there's three there. The Lord has (laughs) the most strict judgment comes upon those that stumble little ones. Period. And there's a group and a movement that's called Pro-Life Evangelicals for Joe Biden. That's neither pro-life nor evangelical. Headed up by a lot of big names that you guys know. A guy named Richard Foster, he wrote a book in the 70s or 80s called Celebration, uh, Celebration of Discipline, I think it was called. It was on every sh- the shelf of every pastor in America, they said. Teaches meditation, contemplative prayer, ushered in new age ideas. It's all over the church today. Guys like John Piper and Tim Keller and all these gospel coalition guys. Saying this dude's more immoral than this guy and the stuff that comes out of his mouth is worse than this other guy over here. Dude, I can bring in tape of Joe Biden dropping M-bomb after M-bomb after M-bomb. You really want to go by that? And again, I don't vote for personalities. I vote for policies. And when you're pro-life and approved it, through appointing three Supreme Court judges, and you're pro-Israel by saying, we're moving our embassy to Jerusalem, along with a whole other stuff, but I'm a pro-life evangelical for Joe Biden. Dude, you need to go back to getting the word of God. And the sad thing is, I'll make it personal, it's all over this community. And you all know what I'm talking about. Now listen, we need to love these people, we need to pray for these people, you know who we really need to pray for? They're pastors. Because it's happening because of the pulpit. That's why it's there. Okay, moving on. Moving on. And listen, I rejoice tonight because my God's on the throne. Period. So Nebuchadnezzar makes a fiery furnace. He wants to be like God. I'll make my own hell. I'll make my own hell. You don't go along with me, I'm going to throw you into my hell. Hell, there's a lot of that going around today. You better bend knee, you better bow down, or we're going to throw you into our hell. Verse 7, we'll, we'll get through this. So at that time when all the people heard the sound of the horn, the flute, the harp, the lyre, and symphony with all kinds of music, all the people, nations, and language fell down and worshipped the gold image which Nebuchadnezzar had set up. They all fell down. Not out of the fear of God, out of the fear of man. Not concerned about eternal life and the eternal soul, but being lovers of this life, lovers of the flesh. 
And no doubt there was probably some religious folks around him misly quoting the idea of Romans 13. We subject ourselves to the governing authorities. Yeah, that's the case. When their rulers, Romans 13.3, rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. When they're terrorizing good works, you don't bow down. We've been looking at this in Acts all summer. They said, don't preach Jesus anymore, we're going to get you. And they said, we ought to obey God rather than men. Period. When it comes down to that, when it comes down to the governing authority telling you to do something that's sinful or anti-biblical, we're subjected to the higher authority, God Almighty. And all these guys bowed down out of the fear of man, not out of the fear of God. There was no godly obedience in what they did. And I'll tell you, even in all these, you know what, measures and guidances and all this stuff that's been put on us, listen, there's some that I guess is reasonable, but there's been some other stuff like, you can't worship God. You can't sing to God. I'm going to sing to God, man. I've been called to sing to God. We've been called to come together and sing to God. And in my opinion, any church that said, we're going to come together, but we're not going to sing to God. Dude, you're sinning right now. God's called us to come together and worship Him, to minister to Him and one another through songs, psalms, and spiritual hymns. Another rant for you there. Verse 8. Therefore, at the time, certain uh, Chaldeans came forward and accused the Jews. They spoke and said to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. Got to butter them up first, right? You, O king, have made a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, harp, here, psaltery, and in sympathy with, sym- symphony with all kinds of music shall fall down and worship the gold image. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not paid due regard to you. You do not serve your gods or worship the gold image which you have set up. Satan loves snitches. Not talking about looking out for victims. Absolutely, we should do that. And absolutely, we should take a stand. But listen, when you're the vindictive type, when you're a busybody, you're full of bitterness, you're an agent of the state, I don't see that being approved by God. Beware, man. Beware of the log in your own eye when you're pointing out the speck in your neighbors. And beware as well of that law, whatever you sow, you're going to reap because what goes around comes around. This was all about them being vindictive, it was all about them trying to get, you know, kudos from King Nebuchadnezzar. And it was about a self-promotion here. They didn't pay due regard to you. Again, these men, they didn't serve his gods. They didn't worship the image. And I love this. And again, if they hadn't told, there was probably so many people there, no one would have seen. But I love the fact that these three Jewish young men, them not bending the knee wasn't heard in their private chat chats. There's a country in Europe right now talking about they're going to start moderating, moderating hate speech in your home. Like, oh my goodness, where are we going here? But they didn't, they didn't hear about this in their private chats. They saw it in their public stance. You hear that? They said publicly. And if you're publicly standing for God, you should be doing that privately as well. And, and, and we, we should be fearless. These guys were unashamed of the Lord. They feared God, not men. And hear this. They did not give in to peer pressure when everyone face planted around them. They just stood there. It must have looked crazy, right? Everyone face plants and you. And hey, there's Shadrach. There's Meshach over there. What's up, Holmes? You know. They all face planted and three dudes are standing there. And someone's down there looking up. Get back down. I'm in a good mood tonight. (laughs) Then Nebuchadnezzar, in rage and fury, gave the command to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So they brought these men before the king. They rebuked the king by not bowing down. 
they just witness to him by their actions. And instead of stepping back and considering he's full of rage. And listen, when you throw a fit, when you don't get your way, that's a sign of a, of a, of a bad heart. Verse 14, Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the gold image which I have set up? Now, if you're ready, at the time you hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery, and symphony, I'll get it out, with all kinds of music, you fall down and worship the image which I have made good. Well, we'll give you a pass. We'll give you a pass. But if you do not worship, you should be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? You're a punk for throwing that in there. Who is the God that will deliver you? I'm the man. It's him saying, I am the God. Listen, there's also a lesson here. Listen, you've been warned, but we'll give you another chance. We'll work with you. Some bend knee right away. Others got to get prodded along. And whether you bend knee right away or you wait a little while and say, well, listen, we stood up for a while. That's good enough. We're going to bend a knee. It's all the same thing. It's all the same thing. Now, notice here. I guess he didn't know that God heard everything that came out of his mouth. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, I love this, we have no need to answer you in the matter. For that is the case. Our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods. We will not worship the gold image which you have set up. They just said, we don't fear you. We won't even consider this. We're not even going to waver. We're not even going to negotiate. And our God will either deliver us or he's going to take us home. And either way, we're not going to bow down. These were men that did not hold their lives dear to themselves. Paul said in Acts 20, 24, I do not count my life dear to myself. That's how Paul was able to move by faith, doing everything that he did. I don't count my life dear to myself. Yeah, I'm thankful for my life. I'm thankful for the provisions of God. I want to be good stewards of it. I want to run a good tent business over here. But I don't hold it dear to myself. If it's gone today, it's gone today. I count it as rubbish to know Christ. He knew there was something greater than this. And I'll tell you, one of the big problems in our country right now is so many people run around holding their life dear to themselves. And they move out of fear. Not out of faith in God. It used to be the land of the, 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 what, home of the free, the land of the brave, or the other way around. Where is that today? There's so many cowardly people because they hold their life dear to themselves and it makes them so prone to being manipulated and so forth. The Lord said if you desire to save your life, you lose it. But if you lay it down for his sake, you'll find it or you'll save it. And they're like, we don't care, man. God, we're going to win either way. God's either going to deliver us or God's going to take us home. They might have been saying, take us home, Lord. We're in this captivity here. I miss home. I miss Israel. I'll go up to the holy Jerusalem. Then Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury, and the expression on his face changed towards Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He had a big smile. It's good. You want to bow down? No, we're not going to be like, you know, this rage. And he spoke and commanded that the heat of the furnace, uh, that they heat the furnace seven times more than it was usually heated. Why? To try to instill fear, fear to everyone watching, to express fury. But listen, there's only so much man can do to you. They're, they were going to die where it was if God didn't deliver them seven times more. What's the big deal? I thought about what Jesus said in Luke 12, 4. My friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body. And after that, have no more than they can do to you. But I will show you who should fear, fear him who after he has killed has power to cast into hell. Yes, I say to you, fear him. Verse 20, and he commanded certain mighty men of valor who were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Men of valor, it's probably a great honor for him. Oh, we feel so important. We're recognized by Nebuchadnezzar. I wonder how it will work out for these fellows. They, they had, they, listen, they had opportunity to say, you know, we're not going to do that. 
They were right. They could have reversed course there. Again, Nebuchadnezzar gave those guys a chance. These guys could have reversed course. No, we're not doing that. In fact, blow the horns. We're not going to bow down either. But they went along. They made that choice. They want an honor from Nebuchadnezzar, not from God. Then these men were bound in their coats, their trousers, their turbans, and their other garments, and were cast in the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's command was urgent, and the furnace exceedingly hot, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They bound them up, and they were consumed by fire in the attempt to throw them into the fire. Listen, beware, beware of coming against God's church and God's anointed. Not talking about testing things and so forth. But listen, if you don't repent, you'll pay a price. In fact, talking about the church in 1 Corinthians 3, 17, God says, if anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him. The context there is about the church. A lot of people want to destroy the church today. They've got no fear of God. They don't know they're messing with God. When you mess with God's people, you mess with God. It's a foolish thing to do. Verse 23. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished. And he rose in haste and spoke, saying to the counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king, look. Notice the exclamation point. Look, he answered. I see four men. This is a huge word. Loosed. I see four men loosed walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And listen to this. And the, fourth, uh, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Woo! They fell in bound, and immediately they were loosed. And hear this. From man's perspective, they looked like they were in the worst position on the entire face of the earth. They looked like the most bound up men with the worst future and what they were about to experience and go through. But the truth of the matter was those three men were the freest men on the face of the earth during this whole ordeal. Because the moment you bow down, you forfeit your freedom. No matter what men do to you. And when you refuse to bow to men, but you bow to God, you walk free even when men bind you up. That's why I say all the time, oh, don't say that, Steve. You're going you're gonna to lose, lose your ability to, to talk if you say that. Why forf- I forfeit it if I don't say it then. And then Nebuchadnezzar's blown away. We threw in three and I see four. And the fourth, the fourth looks like the son of God. Dude was seeing Jesus in there. This is one of those Old Testament times when you see Jesus manifest in this way. And listen, hear this. People love to watch a train wreck. And they love to watch, you know, when all the walls are coming in on you, what's going to happen? They love to watch when it looks like from their perspective, your foundation is being ripped out from underneath you. Listen, when that happens all the more, let them see Jesus. Let's not act like the world. Let's act like followers of God Almighty. This is why I'm so stoked to be out here worshiping God tonight. Giving praise to God. My God's on the throne. I want to walk in joy. I want to walk in the gospel. I want to love everyone around me with biblical love. No matter what they, you know, their viewpoint or whatever, again, and that includes sharing truth with them. I don't want to be like Nebuchadnezzar, running around full of all this foolish rage. Verse 26, then Nebuchadnezzar went near the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spoke, saying, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Notice here, servants of the Most High God. He's getting closer. Talked about last week, he's getting closer. Come out and come here, then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came from the midst of the fire. 
Listen, they went in and they came out and God was with them every step along the way. But in the midst of the fire, no doubt, they were the most aware that God was with them. And I found that true in my life in the midst of the trial. It seems like there was just an extra, uh, uh, an extra, you know what, uh, acknowledgement or realization that God's with us. God's with us. Verse 27, and the satraps, administrators, governors, and the king's counselors gathered together. And they saw these men on whose bodies, listen to this, on whose bodies the fire had no power. The hair of their head was not singed, nor were their garments affected, and the smell of fire was not on them. The fire had no power. The smell didn't even stick to them. I'll translate this to the New Testament for you. 1 John 4, 4. You are of God, little children, and overcome them, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. <laughs> That's what that's saying right here. Verse 28, Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him. And they have frustrated the king's words and yielded their bodies that they should not serve nor worship any god except their own. You hear that? They trusted God and God delivered them. He's the same today. They walked by faith and it frustrated the king's words. I know some kings, I like to hear their words frustrated today. Let's walk by faith. Let's not act like the world. They yielded their bodies. We're to present our bodies a living sacrifice. And let this be said of us, they only worship their God. And then 29, therefore I make a decree that any people, nation, or language which speaks anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces. And they're probably, well, you know, you don't need to go that far. <laughs> and their houses shall be made an ash heap. He's like, I gotta let this fury out on someone because there's no other God who can deliver like this. Now again, this is extreme, but here, there's no doubt that God used these three men to help spare Israel in that time of captivity. You got to understand, when you take a stand for God, that's not just about you, that's about everyone else and those around you. It's amazing what happens when, 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 when someone, listen, Daniel started this, Daniel's the one the purpose in his heart. And then Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego came along, and they did. And this, this was, listen, what you do is not just about you. It's about you and God and everyone around you. And there's no doubt that these guys standing here and saying, we're not going to bow down, and God preserving them, help preserve Israel during that captivity. The king just said, don't touch these guys. You do anything against their God? I'm going to cut you in pieces and burn your house down to ash. And like, he'll do that. <laughs> he will do that. They, we, it, it probably should be talked about more. They're, they're a type of Esther here. It's the same thing. Know that. When you bend knee or worship God, it's not just about you. It's about your kids. It's about your spouse. It's about the church you go to. The community you're in. What if every true born-again believer said, I, I'm bound down to this stuff. I'm going to serve God. I'm going to follow the Lord. You don't think that would make an impact? Verse 30, Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Just, just a few verses ago, these guys are about to get thrown in the fire. Now they're getting promotions. God's the same. Trust in the Lord. If you get fired, you get fired. God will make a way. But there's a good chance you might get a promotion. I see it happen all the time. And you're like, whoa. I'll come back to the end of this next week because the question comes up, where the heck's Daniel? Was Daniel face planted? Ain't no way. There ain't no way. 
There's no way that Daniel's face planted because this dude's about to go into a lion's den. Where's Daniel at? What's going on with Daniel? We'll make it a cliffhanger. We're going to talk about that next week. I was going to talk about it tonight, but I just said, I'm going to wait. Because it's going to be colder next week, and you need extra incentive to come to church. Who you knows? We might be inside. We might be outside. If you wear a big jacket, you can take that off inside. But if the Lord don't come back, and by His grace and mercy, we'll be out here worshiping and the same this weekend. So, Heavenly Father, we praise you tonight. Lord, what a word. God, what a timely chapter for us to be on. Lord, there's so many times when I just... I just sit in my office and laugh when I read the next text and I see what's going on in the world, what's going on locally in our church. I thought, Lord, God, you know, so many times, week after week, all summer long, and here we are. What a perfect text for this day that we are, we are in, this literal day that, that we're out here on. And uh, we just praise you tonight, God. Oh, Lord, give us faith, God. Give us courage, God. Lord, give us, give us God, backbones for Jesus. Lord, let us be found, God, not bending knee to this beast system, but let us found, be found on our knees, so to speak, before God Almighty. Oh, Lord God, let this word tonight strengthen our faith, God. Lord, I pray tonight, God, it won't be a mustard seed, God, but it, it, would, it would be a bucket of mustard seeds, God. Lord God, we need your help in this day, God. Things are, things are heating up. They really are. They really, really are. God, let us stand our ground in Jesus, and we thank you that you're our champion going before us, Lord. And here tonight, listen, if you don't know the Lord, you need to get saved tonight. Our sin separates us from God. That's what hell's about, dying in sin. But Jesus Christ died on the cross and took the wrath due us upon himself. He rose from the grave, and he defeated sin and death that if any call on his name and put faith in him, they'll be saved. He'll forgive you of your sin. He'll be your Lord and Savior. And he'll be with you. He'll begin to work in your life practically. And you have to want that too. Lord, I want that. I want you to be my Lord. I want you to, to save me. And beautifully, the scripture says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. If that's not you calling him tonight, man, you need to get saved today if you're not. And if that's you, tell somebody. Let it be known. Lord, any in that place, just bless them and bless the rest of our night. We praise you, God. We pray these things in Jesus' name, and we said, amen. God bless you.